Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Mission Daily. I'm your host, Chad Grills. I'm joined by Ian Faison. What's up, man? Not a lot. That was a great long weekend, and we had a special gift for all of the listeners out there. We had a two-part episode that we just dropped on Monday, was the first part, and then the second part was on Tuesday, and that was on the seven signs that you're onto something big. So we're going to do a second two-parter. Yes, because feedback on the first two was amazing. We're really, really glad that everyone out there liked it. And this is in a similar vein, but a different topic. So today we're talking about lifting weights. Of the mind. And Dude, I thought I was going to get you. I thought I was going to get you with that. So Ian's talking about a uh, quote from Seneca where he said, books are the training weights of the mind. And that's what we're talking about today. So this is part one of the seven habits that reading will help you build. So habits are obviously crucial to whatever we want to achieve in life. And a practice like reading, it's easy to think of it as, oh, I just do this to get a result, which is more or better information. When in actuality, when you read, you're developing very, very powerful habits that apply to every other aspect of your life. And so those are some of the habits that we want to focus in on today. And one of the big things that we hear all the time that I hear even at home is that reading books is kind of a pain for a lot of people. And so whether that is they just don't have the time or they don't have whatever, but the reason why this stuff is really valuable um, is because it is a powerful technology. So one of the most uh, useful definitions of technology is the ability to do more with less. And what we talk about a lot at the mission is that books are a powerful technology. Um, I think it's funny that we tend to associate things that don't get plugged in or don't have a screen or bright and flashing lights as uh, lower tech. Or, you know, we think that those aren't technology. When if we define technology how it's supposed to be defined, the ability to do more with less, we can start to look at books in a whole new light. So books are very much a type of artifact. And if you look at the or think about the content that's in a book, it's not the individual author that's writing it. It is, in fact, that author going back and painstakingly perfecting and practicing and then re-saying and re-saying things again and again and again until you get to a place where most finished books that do really well have been, they've had every sentence edited maybe like 12 times or something like crazy like that. So what you're dealing with isn't that writer. It's a perfected version of that writer. So in a sense, you are in that person's like, you're not encountering them. You're encountering them at their best times 10 with the help of a bunch of other people. So it's a really uh, just kind of a different way of looking at what's going on when you're reading. And I think a lot of people know that like books are great. They understand the value, but it's, and what we're talking about today is the seven ways that actually reading them will help you develop habits that make your life better, which is, I think something it's a small distinction, but it's something that is worth definitely the next yeah. 10 to 12 minutes of your time. And these are habits that don't have to be things that you, uh, you don't always have to go to reading to get them. You can start to see how other pursuits will help you develop these habits, which are in my humble opinion, super vital to, uh, yeah, success. Okay. Let's get into the seven habits that reading books will help you build. Number, Number one, one, reading books helps you build the habit of taking the right kind of nootropic. <laughs> so nootropic, nootropic, uh, however you want to say it, uh, quick apology to all the modafinil lovers out there, but nootropics are smart drugs. Many of our listeners know that. 
And if you're laughing right now, you know what modafinil is, which is a type of smart drug. And what if you're not laughing right now? <laughs> you might be confused and, and wondering if we're advocating taking drugs. We are not, but we are advocating uh, taking the right kinds of nootropics. So if we view books as something that helps us clear our mind and develop some of these other important habits, and we start to view them as a nootropic, it is really, really helpful for a bunch of different reasons. So the nootropics that people are currently taking, smart drugs, um, a lot of people think of caffeine as a nootropic. It's really not. But the point being, when you're taking a nootropic or a drug, there are a ton of other trade-offs and there are side effects and this and that. With books, there really aren't any side effects. Um, when you get into a habit of taking any other nootropic, uh, you're going to have really, really bad unintended consequences at some point. Uh, with books, not too many of them. So Warren Buffett says that, this is a great quote, read 500 pages like this every day. That's how knowledge works. It builds up like, com- like compound interest. All of you can do it but I guarantee not many of you will do it. That's a great quote. And I think it's a classic one that gets attributed to him a lot. Well, attributed, he did say it. But he was asked a question at one of the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meetings where somebody was asking him something along the lines of like, how do you get to where you're at type thing? And he just said, just read a lot. And his partner, Charlie Munger, has another great kind of like famous quote that he, I think he followed on in that uh, meeting when Buffett answered with that, Munger followed up with, uh, yeah, my kids make fun of me all the time. And uh, yeah, Munger's kids aren't a billionaire, but he is. So, so quick, <laughs> yeah, right. Quick uh, side note. Um, do you know Will Bunker from GrowthX? Uh, I don't know him, no. A- anyway, so Will really, shout out to Will. Um, really, really smart guy. And he reads like tons and tons of books. He's one of the um, co-founders of the site that eventually became Match.com and just a very well-read guy. And one of the things that was really interesting that he always talks about is if someone took the time to write it, then it's worth reading. And I always thought that was an interesting way of saying that because I think sometimes people get a bad rap for like, like, oh, they just wrote a book to wrote a book. But the idea that it's worth your time to read it, I th- I, th- I just thought was a really interesting way of putting it. It's definitely an interesting way to look at it for sure. And which brings us to number two. Okay, number two, reading books helps you build the habit of upgrading your mental operating system. Yes, what's interesting is our minds and our thoughts and everything like that, they're running on an operating system. The operating system is uh, the sum total of all of our inputs that we've taken in, all the outputs, all the things we've done, all the people we've interacted with, our genetic memory, all that stuff. And when you read read a book or especially like an autobiography or something like that, you're spending time inside another person's life and your mental operating system by the end of that book is completely different. So your mind, when you finish a book that was written by someone you respect, admire, or if it's a work of note. So if, if like a lot of other people uh, look at this book as like it was, it was a game changer for me or it could be a game changer for you, chances are it could really change your mind. And so an example of this would be like Kurt Vonnegut, for example. If you're going to read his work, you're reading, like you're seeing his operating style, like stream of consciousness and that sort of thing. So you're giving yourself another data point or how is that like? I think, I mean, you're, so a lot of people have said something along the lines that you're living vicariously through 
the eyes of another another person's life and that's valuable but what you're doing is essentially like a long form thought experiment of imagining life through another person's eyes and so whether it's building empathy or building um, your mental operating system so basically like you know your mind and your thoughts are processing apps so you have apps that are running in your head right now whether it's like speaking writing communicating things like that uh, when you endure all of the wisdom and teachings and mistakes of another person via a book uh, all your main apps like speaking writing and communicating get better so would you say this is like generally for people do you mean specifically for like biography and or autobiography or do you just mean for does this included in like fiction is this included like what do you what do you think I don't, I don't know. I think autobiography, of course, jumps to mind. Nonfiction jumps to mind. Uh, but there are way more interesting ways to look at books. Uh, for instance, there's a philosopher named Leo Strauss, and he wrote a book called Persecution and the Art of Writing. And what Strauss found is that basically throughout all times and places, the most important truths have been hidden inside fiction. So important truths, meaning the type of things that might get you burned at the stake. The people who know these or have discovered them or have proved them for themselves are not going to put this stuff into nonfiction. Uh, in any age, if you are <laughs> going to correctly rattle off what's going to happen in like the next 50 years, you're going to be labeled a crazy person. And the current society, the current paradigm is not going to accept your ideas. So what you have, the possibility you have is to basically um, get access and explore some of these truths through fiction. And so Leo Strauss was, he analyzed a bunch of different books and persecution and the art of writing is the best place to start if you want to explore the idea that fiction could have some very important truths in it. So generally just up to the listener. Um, yeah. Can you decide, choose your own adventure. Yes. And I think that it's, it's way too easy to fall into the trap of criticizing our picks and saying, oh, this book wasn't that serious because we're reading like a Dan Brown novel or something like that. And I, I think it's like it's really important to read and explore your intuition about what books might speak to you, what books you think are interesting um, without judgment. So basically pick those things, but don't judge them. I love it. Okay, next one. Number three, reading books helps you build the habit of sitting quietly in a room alone. So Blaise Pascal has a great quote. That is something along the lines of all of humanity's problems stem from an inability to sit quietly in a room alone, something like that. The point being, if everyone in the world could sit contently with themselves and if everyone was a better uh, steward of that privilege or just generally like a respecter of themselves, uh, the world would be a different place. So counterpoint. Eric Hoffer said something to the effect of a man by himself is in bad company. I think he was onto something with that, but I think where Hoffer missed the boat on that, and Eric Hoffer was a, a genius uh, recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, a philosopher. Um, he wrote a book, I think, called On the Nature of Mass Movements. and Or no, it's called, or maybe that was a book that he wrote. I think the other one he did was True Believer that a lot of people know him by. And when we're by ourselves, we can be in bad company, but this is something that reading helps you uh, move past. If you read enough books, eventually you're not in the presence of yourself. You're in the presence of many, many other lives and many other people who have came before. 
if I mean, you're going to retain that information and that knowledge. So one of the things that I think people struggle with reading, specifically reading a book alone, is they have no one to talk about it with. And obviously, this is unintended backing our way into why you should join the Mission Book Club, um, which you should check out. Um, but I think that that's part of the thing is like, not only are you sitting quietly in a room alone, everyone else around you is not reading that same book. And a lot of times, by the very notion of people passing books around that, you know, hey, you should check out this book, you're not even reading it at the same time as your friends or peers or colleagues or family or whatever it is. Do you think that's like partially the added value of it? I think it is. Um, but I think it's one of those situations where it's easily, you know, it's easy to think that they have to be mutually exclusive, but in reality you can do both approaches and they're quite complementary to each other. So read a book on your own, but then occasionally join a group or talk about a book. Um, but sitting alone in a room and reading is, uh, I don't know if I'm just imagining it or being too paranoid, uh, like we talked about in a previous episode, but it's something that I think is becoming increasingly harder to do. And it's something that's very hard to justify to your family, friends, uh, why you would spend hours or maybe even an entire day reading a book. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, you know, and I think that generally people want to have shared experiences with other people and they want to like connect with other people. And there's this kind of thing of, especially with online, maybe being too lonely or doing too many things alone with kind of like your digital friends versus like, you know, IRL in the real world yeah, as, as they call it. But I think that finding ultimately finding the balance of both is the best way to move forward and you need to enhance your mind and, you know, having discussions with other people is a whole topic for a different day, but it helps to upgrade, uh, upgrade you, upgrade your mind and build those habits to sit and be comfortable alone. Yeah. Be comfortable alone in a room by yourself and be confident that it's not a weird thing. You're not being socially, uh, you know, isolated. That's not, that's not always a bad thing. I think there's so many taboos around, um, being a, a loner or going off on your own and, that's where all the interesting thoughts in my own experience anyways, they generally come from from that. They come from conversations, but they also come from just being alone by myself. And if you haven't tried reading for an entire day or perhaps reading one or two books on a Saturday or Sunday when you have nothing else to do or if you can find a way to get away and just do that, uh, that's the biggest game changer in the world. Because I think that after you feel the power that comes from starting the day and reading a book, finishing it, and then approaching the end of the day with that brand new experience, uh, it's just a, a true game changer. So books are going to help you build the habit of upgrading your mental operating system. And they're really a safe nootropic. And if you start to view them like that, view them as a technology, they're going to help you build the habits that are going to spill over and amplify everything else um, about yourself, your characteristics, your personality, Reading is the way to upgrade it. So right. that was uh that was part one. Yeah, that's part one. And let's do let's finish with a, a new little segment we're gonna do every now and then. <laughs> so I don't know what this is, so I'm on the edge of my seat. Um so many of our listeners, we have many new listeners. Um every day more people are finding the Mission Daily podcast, which is very exciting. And so we kind of wanted to just take a few minutes and just share some of the things that we're working on, what we're doing. Uh to update you about the goings on at the mission, but also, and today we want to talk about like 
specifically our ad reads, how we do sponsorships, and do a little ad read about ad reads. <laughs> and really answer the question, how the heck do we choose our sponsors and the companies that we work with? So these are great questions. And I, uh, I personally just want to go out on a limb and say, I love everyone who's listening. After we said that we're going to do an ad read about ad reads, I love each and every one of you. That is, that is powerful. I love you. So ad reads are something that it's easy to view them as like an intrusion and they can be, and often they are. And I'd so say 99% of the time they are. They're, they're not value they're added annoying. and they're distracting yeah. and they waste your time, which is your most precious resource. And at the end of the day, the sponsor and the publisher, it's rare when they sit down and consciously pick products and reasons for picking those products that are going to re- like help in a long-term fashion, the people who are being shown these ads. And that type of careful thought process and curating the products and sponsors that people show, uh, I think has been left out of advertising. And Absolutely. It's no wonder that people don't like ads. And one of the things that we do at the mission is all of our content is generally free and we want to keep it this way. We want to bring it to you in the lowest cost way possible where, yeah, we do ask for an investment of your time, but we're also very respectful of it. We try to be anyways. And there's a big reason for this. So, you know, there's upwards of 7 billion people on the earth. We want to create all of our podcasts that are free and will remain free forever. We think that that's extremely valuable. And we think that- The larger global population at the end of the day can't afford Netflix plus Spotify plus Audible plus Kindle Unlimited and you know all of these other tools. So by presenting this to you generally free, we are in a sense helping lift up the world. And it's like, it sounds corny, Sounds cheesy, but that's what we want to do with information, with stories, with inspirational messages. And part of this, you know, it does require money at the end of the day. So what we do is we partner with some of the best companies in the world who have products that are not just safe to use, but have a track record of materially um, and mentally uplifting the people who use them. And if you're familiar at all with the advertising world, there's a lot of stuff out there that is using third-party networks and third-party things. And quick explainer on third-party means you are not dealing, the publisher is not dealing direct with the person selling the product. We fundamentally don't agree with that like strategy and we don't think it makes sense. And we think that um, we're built, what we're building at the mission is the antidote to that, which is we're not selling your data. We're not, you know, giving it to third parties. We're not letting other people do stuff like that. We don't even have any of your data, uh, unless you sign up for the newsletter. Um, and then we safeguard that with all of our mighty, uh, war chest of, uh, of defense (laughs) and security. But that's really important. It sounds simple, but it's something where if you go to any other company, you can try to find the CEO or the person running the company and you can ask them about how they're thinking about ads and how they're thinking about branded content and sponsorships over the long term. And there's typically no thought process there. Yeah, I, I no. don't want to be yeah, I don't want to be too uh, rude with that, but that's just the case. And somebody needs to start thinking long term about how do we do this in a much better fashion. And so if you think about ads, what's fascinating to me is a lot of people are they keep talking about micropayments. Well, what an ad is is a micropayment. It's a micropayment of your attention. And so that's one simple example of how we view things that is radically different from the rest of the industry. And what it allows us to do is bring you amazing podcasts like this one, The Mission Daily, and The Story, which is another podcast we do that's kind of like a historical fiction, uh, the unknown true stories of how great people became great. And that podcast was brought to you exclusively by Salesforce. 
that's a great example where we were able to bring you three seasons of the podcast that were uh, fans love them. And yeah, that's huge, a huge hit. We've got nothing but great feedback. Um, very, yeah, very flattering. We're really excited. Uh, the podcast is going to continue and that's great. But we couldn't have done that without Salesforce. And Salesforce is a great company. We use the product and it's something that we've seen impact a bunch of different people's lives. In, and our own. Ian, yeah, like, I mean, I, that's, yeah. You know, when you left the military, uh, Salesforce and a lot of their like learning modules literally helped you learn how to sell complex media and yeah, and, like that. And I think that people, it, this stuff is, you know, might seem trivial to the average person who is not familiar with the inside workings of publishing and advertising and media. Um, but I think if we bring some transparency to this stuff, I think it matters. And, and it matters to elevate the dialogue with all of this that everyone should be trying better to create... Yeah, and keep the stakeholders in the loop. Sorry. No, I, not, no absolutely. I'm trying to do a better job not interrupting. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I'm just like pounding it on the table over here. It's like, if you can't find, if you're listening to a podcast, if you're consuming media, and if you can't find anyone at that company that can articulate why they are choosing different things for you or what their plan is or what their plan is over the long term, I would run. I would not, I would not consume any information from those sources. It is uh, inevitably tainted by... Um, you could call it drifting where they have no yeah. purpose at all, or you could call it, um, you know, some, there's plenty of folks out there that do have nefarious uh, motives for people where it's just about money at the end of the day. Um, for us, it's not. And we're building some really interesting things that are going to take shape over the next couple of years, the next couple of decades. And this is, uh, this is really exciting for us because we want to present this to you and literally involve you in the creation process, in the process of determining what sponsors are we going to use because we can only do so much research. And at the end of the day, uh, our listeners, which is now in the ten, tens of thousands um, crossing, uh, well, wait, even way more than that. That's really exciting. Yeah. Millions of people each month. And the thing that's so cool is if you want us to partner with a certain sponsor, you'll help us bankroll the project. Uh, you'll help us bring you better and better things. Uh, and you can do that. Just tweet us or hit us up on social media and let us know who you want to be a sponsor for upcoming podcasts, for this podcast. It really doesn't matter. Uh, we take your opinion and what you want and your your needs very seriously. So this is uh, an olive branch, I guess you could say, that yeah. we are reaching out to all of our audience, all of our listeners, um, and we welcome your feedback. Yeah, I love it. So please uh, just hit us up at the Mission HQ on the Twitters, or you can email info at themission.co. And we will do our best to get back to you really quick. Yes. And a quick preview. I uh, just want to tease this. We have five, five podcasts now in the works. Two are live, this one and the story. And uh, we have three more that we're working on bringing you. It's going to be fun stuff. So thanks so much, everyone. Stay tuned for part two. Take care. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.